Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Square Ball Podcast. Propaganda is brought to you by Levi Solicitors. You can get a 10% discount on your legal fees at levisolicitors.co.uk forward slash the square ball. Time running out as well for you to get 15% on conveyancing before the end of September 2021. I'm Dan Moylan. With me is Michael Normanton. Hello. And so is Moscow White. Daniel Chapman. Hello. Propaganda is where we find out what's being said about Leeds United. In the first part of the show, we talk about what you've been saying about Leeds United. Uh, we get feedback from our TSB Plus subscribers. There's a form sent to them in the wake of each match ball that we do. This is the stuff that they picked out from the match ball and from the game itself against Newcastle, which feels like ages ago now. Happened on Friday. So where do we want to start on this? Let's go on the attack. Why not? Who, who are we attacking? Well, Moscow probably is the obvious one, isn't it? Because he's, uh, he's the most optimistic. Well, I mean, I was going to start attacking um, Mike Dean, actually, because when I spoke to you... Literally, I- are you going to go after him? Not probably. He'll, I've, I saw how strong he is when he barged that Newcastle player to the uh, off the ball. I'd not seen the penalty when you spoke to me on uh, on Friday night. What? It's the it's one of the most obvious penalties in the world. And if if VAR are not intervening in that, why are they intervening in pretty much everything else? I see them intervening in. It seems like the clear and obvious error wording has now become uh, a thing to hide behind for VAR because that was a penalty, wasn't it? Yeah, it seems so obvious. That's it. Just became. Dismissed. There weren't really any replays of it after the game. They had a, a brief one at half time when the others kind of shrugged and went, Yeah, that probably should have been a penalty. And then I think it's ref watch, isn't it? Where um, I'm not sure that um, Stephen Warnock and Sue Smith, two ex Leeds players, are necessarily the most unbiased gallery of people, but there's uh, Dermot Gallagher as well, all just going like, Yeah, penalty that. Yeah. So it's almost like there's, there's, because there's not much you can say about it, it's not one that you can replay over and over and it doesn't involve a scum player so it's not very exciting for anybody to kind of debate over and over just a penalty so what more can you say should have been a penalty yeah so uh, give us a penalty Aiden, jimmy matt ryan all picking holes in this one and and ryan expands upon this and he's sort of saying what is the sweet spot will we ever find it for var because it either does nothing or it's completely over the top and Nobody seems to know quite how to use it just yet. And uh, I think the closing words of his uh, of his sentence are pain in the arse, which, yeah, I get it. And, and highlighting as well, like the, the Kyle Walker thing this weekend, where it seemed not 
anything like as obvious an error as not giving the Dan James one, but then it got looked at endlessly and eventually was overturned. And even after that, there is still a lot of debate as to whether it was the right decision or not. Whereas I don't think anyone would have looked at the Dan James one and gone back and said, oh no, that he's dived there or it was, it was, it was a tangle of legs or whatever. It, it just is a foul. I can't see any other way interpretation of it. Just to draw a parallel, you know when Calvin Phillips, he got that yellow card in the Poland game, wasn't it? After about seven minutes because the referee had judged that he'd gone in with his feet up and he, he landed on the guy's foot when he scooped the ball out with his studs on his foot. So if that's a, a booking in that game, You've then got to look at this situation with Dan James, who ended up getting studs on his feet as the guy came in for the ball there. Didn't get the ball. Dan James nicked it away, and we didn't get anything. Weird, well, isn't we it? we didn't even get a foul. So, yeah. And that's the difference is the referee in the England game saw a foul and gave a card. Here, Mike Dean has not seen a foul and given nothing. And I think that's where the question about the VAR sweet spot moves away from the technology and to the personalities they probably would have mentioned it if the audio feed is given to the Sky commentators and they can hear what's going on. And if the VAR referee was screaming down the microphone from Stockley Park, Dean, you fucked this up. Give a penalty for that, you idiot. And he's, no, I've seen it. It's I know what I saw. Whether there's an element of that and whether the personalities come into play. Because can you can you contradict Mike Dean? I mean, Mike Dean didn't even flinch when Newcastle players are trying to barge him out of the way so that he can actually get to the ball, I don't imagine the referees on watching the video footage get much mileage out of saying to him, I think you should look at that again. I don't. I'm Mike Dean. Cause, and I've been in Ted Lasso. I've seen it. Mm. He's, and he had seen it. He was standing right there looking straight at it. So you are relying on somebody watching a video feed to go to tell him, you've made a clear and obvious error that you were just staring right at. Why haven't you given a penalty for that? And whether anybody can stand up to Mike Dean and actually tell him these things. And if you do, whether he listens, I wonder how much of that comes into play. I mean, never mind this uh, this agreement and Bonhomie in the studio. Please, Moscow, stop defending Tyler Roberts, says Kevin C. Um, he's consistently proven himself incapable of affecting games like this at this level. <laughs> <laughs> to, the, to the benefit of the audio listeners there, you uh, there was a shrug. Uh, a resigned resigned shrug. I mean, Craig B as well says we have to talk about Tyler Roberts. We really don't. Like, there's nothing on this sheet. Michael collates all the, the comments from people coming in. Nothing about how well Rodrigo played. 90 minutes of brilliance from Rodrigo. His best game in a lead shirt, in my opinion. A week after he'd been written off and everyone said he could never play behind Bamford as a number 10 and he was superb in that role all night. No, no. We have to talk about Tyler Roberts because you know what there aren't enough of on the internet? opinions about Tyler Roberts. Half an hour as a substitute and he was shit. I wrote it in my match report and I think it said enough. He came on, he did two good things, five bad ones. The end. But he was fine against Scum when he came on, affected a game, made a great chance for Rafinha and he was all right against um, Liverpool for the 15 minutes before the uh, red card put him into a defensive role when he was winning more tackles in midfield. That was the main thing he did against Liverpool. So he was affecting the game that way by stopping players running through the midfield when him and Bamford just dropped in but yeah he came on for half an hour and he was rubbish I, I don't care about Tyler Roberts as much as anybody thinks I do I just don't understand the constant preoccupation of you know there were at least 990 cumulative minutes of football played by all our players um, on Friday night but what we really need to concentrate on is the fact that in six weeks of the season Tyler Roberts has not become Van Basten 
I, I don't expect him to be much better than he plays. It's like he is what he is. He's a backup player, comes on. Sometimes he's all right at Old Trafford. Sometimes he's terrible like he was at Newcastle. Big deal. It just doesn't matter. To defend people not talking about Rodrigo, he receives, as a spoiler, he does receive a huge amount of hero nominations in the in the main podcast. So people have not really talked about it because I think we covered it, didn't we? A bit. I was drunk. Um, I think so, yeah. Uh, we, we certainly touched on it. Let's assume we did. I can't remember. A lot's happened since Friday. It's it's now Tuesday as we record this, so, you know, you no idea. Probably we did. Let's just assume we did. Anyway. But there um, are bigger problems as well. Like, why can't Rafinha finish easy chances? That had more in, uh, influence on this game than it did anything that Tyler Roberts did when he came on. Bamford as well. Bamford wants to be an England international striker and wants to win another cap. He's got to finish chances like the one Rodrigo set him up with a through ball. Those are, and they're the they're the starting players. Tyler Roberts is a reserve, and he's either all that's going to happen to him this season is by the end of it, he'll either be a lot better than he has been in his career so far, or Gelhart will take his place. So there's really we're in a no lose situation. We'll either have a brilliant Tyler Roberts or a brilliant Joffy Gelhart, and if neither of them make the grade, we'll go and buy a player with the money that we didn't spend this summer. So. Who fucking cares? I mean, on the one hand, I do agree with you, but that's no fun, is it? And anyway, Michael uh, has been in touch to suggest that it's time to simply listen to Moscow. Well, no, uh, clown. Not sure why you pound the perpetual injury threadbare squad. This is me he's talking to, by the way. Uh, transfer strategy drum when the players on the pitch tonight were all quality, experienced first-team players who failed to take their chances and should easily have been 2 or 3-0 up at, uh, at the half. Does that mean at half-time? His words. His words. Uh, thanks, Michael. Yeah, I mean... I yeah fine <laughs> I accept that as a criticism but also would also like to say that Ding has um, picked me out as well and wants to say uh, I want to say sorry we're in the shit because of the lack of midfield in squad blah blah you know square pegs round holes etc but I usually stop just short of saying what needs to be said being slightly circumspect uh, Moscow on the other hand won't concede there are serious issues brewing I don't really get his reluctance because that's not what I think <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't say it. Like, and let's let's define serious issues. Are we getting relegated this season? So it was picked up as well by um, Sinking Feeling, who's been um, <laughs> messaging in. He's now Sinking Feeling's cousin, Perpetual Worry, which is a very long name to have to say every time. But he he was highlighting us saying every, after every game we have a tendency to pick out the opposition's best player and say, well, how's X meant to cope here? But we're in this league now, so we need to find ways to cope with it. And it's not good enough to just go, well, Salah's good, St. Maximan's good, they're bound to score. I mean, we did fair. We did cope with St. Maximan apart from the goal. Apart from the bits where he ran, ran, it with, <laughs> ran at us with the ball. But then nothing came of that. Well, I mean, it, it did. could have done, though. And, <laughs> well, it could and, have and done. It... Of course it could have done. Anything can happen on a, <laughs> on a football pitch. But second half, all he did, there was one run similar to the one he scored from, but he was blocked, so there wasn't a goal. And then... There was the one where Luke Ayling had done his ankle but hadn't come off yet, so he missed that header and it flew backwards off his head and then he's in behind and Ayling managed to get back to stop him anyway. And then there was Cooper, timed that perfect tackle to stop him from doing anything and that was basically all he did in the second half. So, yeah, we, we let him have one and we should have done better with that and there were some other dangerous moments but they came to nothing. It's not like he ran as ragged and scored seven. We coped with him in the second half with a makeshift defence and it's not like I don't think it's in the same bracket as Salah who is one of the you know best players in Europe if not the world where you have to sort of concede a bit of uh, ground to him especially when he's supported by the cast he has around him at Liverpool who are all brilliant 
So Maxman is a different deal, whereas they're one good player. And yeah, we fucked up to let him score once. rest of the night, he didn't do it again. I do like um, Sarah Ann's comment about the state of things. Because a lot of the comments actually just tap into the mood, whether you know on the more favourable, happier side and optimistic or just slightly pessimistic. Sarah Ann being quite circumspect, asking, wonder if a big part of all our collective malaise is realising how hopeless the Premier League is. That's That was at the root of my uh, misery following Liverpool, was thinking we're so far behind them and it's such a, a gulf to try and close that it almost feels like it's it's too far away, if you like, the amount of money they've spent. Like, you know, the, the song, the Reds have got no money, but we're still going to win the league. And we broke it down. Half a billion quid spent on that team. It's like, wow, <laughs> it's just frightening, isn't it? The whole thing. Yeah, I think Sarah Rand's point is a good one and she expresses it well, where she says she'll be thrilled just to play well and avoid a relegation battle. But it's sobering to realise that without huge and unlikely structural changes to the league, our best case, case scenario is mid-table. I think that's where I fit in with things like Tyler Roberts and with things like not being bothered about losing 3-0 to Liverpool. Because when I came in here straight after the Liverpool game, it was like all your pets had died and you found out that for as long as they were alive, they hated you. The mood was incredible. Whereas I was just like, and I, I get accused of having this kind of rosy optimism and I don't face up to reality and I don't see what serious issues are blowing. Who expected us to beat Liverpool? That's the unrealistic expectation. I mean, I predicted it. <laughs> the... You, yes, but, but I'm a fool. Idiots. Exactly. <laughs> the unrealistic expectation is doing better than losing 3-0 to Liverpool. And to be honest, if it hadn't been for the red card, 2-0. And even when we were down to 10, it took Sane until the 100th minute. Sane. Sane, who plays for uh, Bayern Munich. <sighs> Sadio Mane uh, to, to score in the um, at the end. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad we derailed your point then by getting the wrong name. 2-0 de- defeat to Liverpool is absolutely the realistic realistic expectation for a team like us second season out of the championships. That's what I expect. So that's why I come in and I'm not upset or annoyed or angry or refusing to face up to reality. Imagining that we can somehow beat Liverpool easily off the cuff every time we take to the, the pitch. That's unrealistic. That's rosy optimism. Um, Jackie was picked out by Pete specifically. He says, we missed Harrison so much, which didn't really get talked about too much in the wake of this because everyone, like, you know, toys out of the pram, bigger problems and all that kind of thing. I realised watching James, who was still okay, try to take on players and use his first touch, just how good Harrison is. Harrison is. He was a bargain at 11 million. I think we win a game like that if he plays. Do you tend to agree with that? He makes the makes the difference there just slightly? He has quietly become one of our most important players hasn't he I think from the first season when people wanted Jack Clark to play instead of him through the promotion season of last year he just does seem to edge a tiny bit better I mean he's got Covid hasn't he is that his yes he's got a positive Covid he's got a positive Covid test we don't know yet whether it's actually are you you, you denying Covid exists Uh, are you saying the tests are wrong just for the sake of the algorithm here of course I'm not yeah I mean I've seen this and I'm not no and you're not because I'm not a swivel eyed lunatic I mean I've seen him on Instagram, he's still running on a treadmill and stuff with his uh, deep fake, ludicrously attractive <laughs> girlfriend and his, his marvellous life that he has. Um, I've, seen his, I've seen his dog. Yeah, part of the part of that. Not that we envy his life at all. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he's a good looking and talented boy. He deserves it, doesn't he? Yeah, we do, you don't resent him, do you? No. <laughs> <laughs> but always remember that he's friends with Frank Lampard Jr. So his life isn't perfect. Mm. Well, we'll get onto them all uh, over the course of this week and have a little chuckle at their expense. Anyway, uh, talking about chuckles and expenses, Steve Bruce, um, Dan Ogden was pleased to uh, 
to pick this one out. And a number of people picked up on this on Twitter. You know the little clip of the the close-up on the touchline when Newcastle changed their shape a bit because it seemed that they were like 3-5-2 initially and then they went to a back four, which is what stifled us after that half an hour where we ran rampant. Uh, and it was the ass man, Graham Jones, who also sits on the bench for England and um, is the ass man for Southgate. Him and Matt Ritchie just basically... <laughs> pushing Bruce out of the way and saying, listen, we'll we'll sort this out, Steve. You don't know what you're doing. They were all talking at once, weren't they? Yeah. And you could see him trying to just tune out Bruce because it was Richie, Bruce, and then Jones, wasn't it? And Bruce at the side, you could see him just, he's looking at Jones going, I'm just trying, to, I'm trying my best to just ignore what, what the fat man's saying at the, at the side. You know what you were saying in the wake of this, Moscow? You didn't quite understand why he's still there. What's the point of any of this? I watched that and I don't know if it's because I'm getting softer in my old age or whatever, but I started to view him through human eyes during that game when they're all chanting that they wanted him out and I thought poor man it, it, it did pass admittedly and then mm. I thought it was tremendously funny but you've I mean, just, on, a, on a human level why is he there? You've just got to remember when you have any sympathy for him clinging on to that job think of all the jobs that he's walked out on to get another one where he's been like two months at Crystal Palace and he thinks he's got a better job elsewhere and he just leaves that was the irony of him saying on the leave of this game says oh I, I won't walk away from a battle no, but you'll walk away. If somebody offers you some more money, you'll be off like a shot. The only problem he's got at Newcastle, the reason he's stuck there, is because nobody's ever going to offer him another managerial job ever again. Certainly not for more money. So he'll just sit there until somebody... He'll end up at Derby. ...finally gets him out of there. Well, if, whatever's well, left of Derby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess he might get more money if he goes abroad. So if he goes to managing Qatar or somewhere, but... Can you imagine that? I was going to say, can you imagine the, the sweat rings the second he, he steps off that plane? I mean, shares in talcum powder <laughs> through the roof. Mind you, don't knock talcum powder. Very good. It's, it's, it's a oh, great, the chafing. great during the during the summer months. It's let's for dancing on. Yes, let's do uh, do something positive and uh, talk about Melier and Katie and Nigel both picked out Melier's um, excellence. Yeah, he's become quietly very, very steady and brilliant. He seems to, and I know I'm totally cursing him by saying this but having almost eliminated those daft errors out of his game I know we occasionally see them but he's in a position where he has to take a lot of risks anyway the style of the football demands it but he's looked really really steady I think in the Premier League so far and some very good saves in this game the one I know it was a near post and the whole thing about keepers should never be beaten at the near post but that same Maximan shot at the near post he kicked that really really hard he's been listening to he you, has he? He, he, did, he really did kick it very firmly and Kiko in, in there, I mean, or Bailey Peacock-Farrell, that is a goal. Like, There's not a shadow of a doubt. They're not even getting a hand to that. Peacock-Farrell's trying to get hands with it once he's been nestling in the back of the net for five or six seconds. So saves like that. And there was another one he did um, with a shot across goal that was pretty good. And at some point he will make a mistake and everyone will go, oh, is he is he too young? Is he naive? Is he not? Do you need a more experienced goalkeeper? But It's risk versus reward, isn't but it? But we've got to this stage of the season and he's been brilliant I don't think he's, he's put a foot wrong so far he did his mistake for France under 21s didn't he mm. so that helps and also one in pre-season as well so he's he's quite good at managing where he makes his mistakes which only adds to his excellence like if he does it I mean we're recording ahead of the Fulham game the League Cup game tonight if he plays in that game if he wants to make a mistake there yeah get it out of the way there Shut one in it's fine <laughs> we're not asked in fact Tom Cole's gone into bat for you Michael uh, I think he's a fool, but I'll read it out anyway. He says, no need to worry, is there? We're still creating the chances. All we need is Michael up at Thorpe Arch for some kick it really hard at the goal, but not at the goalkeeper, very specific training, and we'll be uh, be back in business. The work I've done with uh, Gellhart this week is is there for all to see. Um, what did you tell him? 
You know what I told him? Kick it really well, hard. Yeah, at the, I, kick I, it really I, hard at the goal. I do. Yeah, but you know, ideally to where the keeper isn't. But I think Gallard actually he can kick it that hard. He can probably kick it out the goalkeeper and it just it just go with him. Yeah, there was the Bamford one, wasn't there? I think his standing foot did slip. If you look, watch the replay of it. Stop making excuses. He's got shit boots on. We're not allowed to make excuses or give them any kind of license anymore. (laughs) And Click, I think, had a couple from memory that were kind of half chances from the outside of the box, which he didn't quite catch cleanly, did he? Which is, Click is pretty good from that sort of a range normally, so can probably forgive him. But yeah, there there were... um, there were a number of missed chances and, and as Moscow said there was the Rafinha one which then was followed by the Dan James one which was then followed by the Furpo one which was probably the worst miss of them all because that was essentially just volleying the ball into an empty goal I still feel Rafinha with the talent he's got like Furpo's a left back so you don't know how many times he's going to be volleying into the top corner he didn't, didn't need I, to volley into the top corner it was it was an almost empty goal well, what he just, did needed, Rafinha to, he need? just needed to control it into the net what did Rafinha need to do the same just shoot and Rafinha is a, a forward attacking yeah. player who we expect goals from. I don't expect Junior Furpo's going to win this season on 15 goals. I would like Rafinha to. But I'd like him to stick that one away. I'd also like him to stick away the one at um, Old Trafford that um, he, who cannot be named, set up for him. Um, Coming for Rafinha, who's, who's scored a couple, set up some. Well, Tyler Roberts, absolutely. Uns- no, can't, don't lay a glove on him. Nope. Well, it's because I'm more worried about the starting players. And I'm not even worried about them, I'm sure. I would like... I do wonder why Rafinha didn't take that one earlier, why he let them get back, because it wasn't even like he was putting it onto another onto his other foot. It was he was absolutely fine with the, the chance it was self. He didn't gain anything from delaying. So I I wonder and he's such a he's such an aggressive player as well. You'd you'd think wallop. Just I, yeah. wallop it into yeah, the net and yeah. that's what it's is there to do. So I I wonder why that's not there for him and would like it to be. And then the Bamford one, you know, yeah, fair enough, he, he slipped, but he He's only scored that one at Burnley, hasn't he, this season? Mm-hmm. And that was a tap-in. Mm. So maybe Roberts needs to start. No, I don't mean <laughs> that. But I think those are probably... Those moments in this game had more influence on us not winning than anybody uh, coming off the bench. And um, is Somerville in the heroes? Well, you're um, f- listen, listen, the- slash, I'm not listen sh- slash watch and find out. Is he just... Don't ignores. give the game away. <laughs> Don't give the game. I don't away. think he got a mention particularly. Maybe someone might have said it was nice to see him make his debut. Hey, uh, hey listen, Clicky got a mention. Um, Sazzy and Nathan both mentioned. <laughs> we're never Clint. going to be. Able- I thought Somerville did all right. Yeah, yeah. You were going to slate him. You were going no, to say Tyler Robinson right. done a better job, <laughs> which is the best way. Somerville yet. probably did better. And there was um, Furpo, like the Furpo discussion as well, is worth having briefly because he's mentioned Mike says he makes us less potent down the left. And I watched the game back because there was a lot of criticism of Furpo during the game so I watched it again the next morning to identify this shocking performance I thought he was really good I think he played very well and he was a, he set up the goal one of the things that Bielsa's been saying we've not been doing enough this season is winning the ball in the opposition's half and creating a chance and that's how the goal came Ty, uh, Junior Furpo wins the tackle you were going to say Tyler Roberts that's your reflex Junior, isn't it Junior Furpo wins the tackle passes the ball to Calvin ball to Bamford Bamford gets the assist for passing to Rafinha so he he did that, and then the um, uh, he was there to set up the one that Rafinha should have scored from. Leads the counter attack, and then is still up there for the the one he followed over. And then he's right there at the end of the game when Click uh, nutmegs some fool in the Newcastle defence, and he pulls it back. And again, Bamford kind of stands behind the defender, even though Furpo is at the byline pulling the ball back to him, and. Gary Lineker gets in front of the defender and scores in that situation, I think. So there's a little 
little bit he's more over 60 people. Moscow in about even then Wayne Lineker gets in front of the <laughs> defender particularly if there's um no <laughs> and uh um I think one of the differences is um having looked at him a little bit more he's being compared with Alioski for the kind of storming down the outside Furpo so far seems to like coming inside from left back and then he's playing balls out to the wing for whoever's there so it's a slightly different way of doing things but it's becoming more effective I think and I really didn't see anything wrong with how he played against Newcastle I think Ethan he says Furpo is brilliant but also awful I think there are yeah. there are moments of that in him the but... booking was ridiculous like there was one of the stupidest things I've seen a footballer <laughs> do but even that felt like because he took we mentioned on the match ball that he took a the ball was given to him from a free kick in our half when we try to set up an attack and he kind of strolls forward, gets tackled and then brings the player down. And it looked to me like a player used to being in Barcelona's reserves in the B team who probably plays in like La Liga 2 or whatever, having loads of space, nobody pressing him and then suddenly he's got some Geordie maniac on his face um, <laughs> trying to get the ball off him. So those kind of things that he needs to get used to the is cliche isn't it get used to the pace of the Premier League and the intensity but it's reality when he's just been pissing around at Barcelona doing sod all for two seasons that'll take a while for, to, to get up to but I I really didn't see anything Right um, Moscow we've got a re- request wrong. for you then to close out this part of the show um, Is it to sing? Just no, While you're sat there in your Tyler Roberts pyjamas Steve <laughs> Ovenden says just tell me that everything will be okay because it definitely will right? It should be I don't think anything's badly wrong apart from loads of Injuries, and even then, like the positivity, the 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 positive side of having so many injuries and problems is all those players that we want to see graduating from the under twenty threes, and now just getting that little bit closer to the first team. Somerville made his debut. People have been crying out for weeks. When are we going to see Jimmy given a chance? And he gets his chance, and then nobody's just like, he didn't score a hat trick, so don't matter. But that's a real positive thing to take from. A shitty situation with Harrison having COVID, Rafinha's hips gone, Tyler Roberts isn't the answer, so we're having to bring on them. Um, we've we've loaned out Helder Costa, so we're down to the bare bones. But there's Somerville getting in the team, and that's a good thing. And I thought he was fine. We said he on the match ball it took a while to warm up, but then he was the the third wheel of the click Furpo chance right at the end. He is keeping the ball, worrying defenders, making that happen. So that was positive, and if, as we go through the season, more of those players start coming in, it's going to be good. We're not going to be relegated. We're probably going to end up finishing a little bit worse than we did last season. It feels like at the moment, I don't see any reason to think we're going to be 17th. And if we're not 17th, where are are we in the Premier League? We're not going to be 6th. So what's the difference between 9th, 14th, 8th, 12th? I can keep... (laughs) Keep reading numbers. Listing these numbers, but we're... We feel like, it feels to me like we're still heading for that and then what will be will be. And we might score some really exciting goals along the way and it might be fun to watch. Who was it that said in the midst of all this, um, all the feedback that we got, um, I can't find it now, but it was an exciting game and that's good, (laughs) isn't it? Sometimes it's fun to watch an exciting match. I think the second half was the frustration in it because the first half did feel exciting and Again, I've lost it within the feedback. Someone saying that it felt like we were a little bit back to our old selves and there was the the same sort of attacking movement there and the pressing felt like we were on it again and we were actually going at them in a way that we haven't done this season. So there was some of that back. But then the second half, I guess Newcastle changed shape and it did seem to fall flat a little bit. But even then, 
second half is when there was that the Bamford chance and there was other there was the one right at the end and there was other I always felt like we were doing more of the attacking and it it reminded me as I put in my match report on the blog that we were very used to games like that in the championship, which is where Newcastle belong. Where teams do just go into their shell, they're playing for a point and we're trying to play our way through and in the end we we keep hammering on the door and sometimes we get through, sometimes we don't, and sometimes you just take the point. And it's annoying because all the pretty much stuff about Newcastle falling apart didn't really come to pass. Not even their their protest didn't really happen. Um the pressure never really the pressure on Bruce didn't really tell. I don't know if because of what Graham Jones is able to do where they're letting Steve Bruce set them up as three five two and then twenty minutes in he's going, Ads, do the do the do the thing we worked on in the afternoons after Bruce had <laughs> gone home. Whether there's uh, some of that happening. Don't accuse Steve Bruce of uh, not working hard enough or he will he will shout at you at a press conference, won't he? Remember when he was in Portugal and we did all the stuff. <laughs> So it's it's frustrating that none of that really came to pass, and like the the seven nil win that we were all hoping for wasn't uh, wasn't realised. But I think we played well, and the only difference between us and victory was Mike Dean and finishing. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. In this part of the show, then, we will find out what the Geordies thought about all this. And are they a happy bunch? There's the big question. What did they make of it all? Because they were not a very happy bunch going into it, Michael. No, it was just a bit sad watching them. <laughs> they were not, they've lost the, a lot of them seem to have lost, like, the anger. And there's just a sad resignation about the whole thing. I mean, we'll we'll come on to some of the some of the later clips, but it just reminded me a lot of the Bates Leeds era, where people are just like, ah, what? Just why are we doing this? What is the what is the point of it? But first of all, here's from the the live watch along on Newcastle Fans TV. We've we come across these quite a lot, and you quite often get like the Arsenal fan TV reaction where people are going mad about things, and it's very performative, and they're trying to make it clear how upset they are. I mean, this is how the Newcastle fans treated our opening goal. They're in the middle of discussing... Don't give it away. <laughs> People can listen. Oh, okay. 
I, I don't know. I might actually be an English derivative. I don't know. I don't know. But Leeds are on the attack again. Calvin Phillips to Bamford. I've just seen. Uh, I've just seen Jay's though about brisket. Like, I'm. I'm all for some American barbecue. It's one nil Leeds, and it's an absolute peach of a goal. Who scored? Rafinha. <sighs> Rafinha, it is. Was it actually Rafinha? Uh, it was. Mm, brilliant. Oh, that's sigh. That's sigh. I have looked up a recipe for uh, braised brisket with bourbon peach mm. glaze. So they so can... Southern uh, barbecue stuff, isn't it? Brisket. Mm. Is that what they were talking about? Yeah, they were just discussing brisket and then Leeds scored and they, they, there was mention of a peach. They'd been asking people if they, for a score prediction and a preferred takeaway. So it, it was coming through like minutes prior to this, so kind of going... Indian, 3-0. Um, oh. Italian, 2-1. Right. They were kind of doing that, but then they were just still talking about barbecues and brisket and curries and stuff of when... Which is basically where it's got to with them, is it? Yeah, essentially. So There do seem to be a few um, brisket venues in Newcastle. The uh, Longhorns Barbecue Smokehouse. Oh, that's right next to my old work, yeah. Right. Cracklin. Mm, didn't go there. There's one called Texas Smoker. Obviously, uh, yeah, brisket is the star of Longhorns Barbecue and you can get delivery. So there's a few places doing brisket delivery. Walked past it hundreds of times. Never went in. My night out in Newcastle ended with me um, having an argument with someone in a takeaway, which was nice. The people who owned it, <laughs> because I, I, ordered, I think I ordered like mixed grill and chips. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, you don't really look when you're paying, do you? I just sort of ordered it and then beat my phone. Noticed it was 15 quid, and I was like, oh, that seems, that's a lot of money, isn't it? So I was looking at the boards, £9.50 mixed grill, £2 chips. I was like, hang on, mate. Did you get a drink? Nope, no drink. Save money, I was going to out the tine or whatever later on. Yeah. But I was I was like, hang on, this that should, this, this is too much. And he was like, oh, no, that's the that's the daytime price up there. I was like, that's that's not a thing. <laughs> and he was, like, he was like, oh, well, it's an old price. We've we've changed them now. I was like, well, you need to change it up there then as well. And he's going, oh, well, no, it's, it's because it... And he's, this is his manager though by this point trying to explain to me. He's going, no, it's because it, it's because it takes a long time to cook, so that's why it's more expensive. And I was like, but but you, not, it's what it, but but you, why not? Why don't you put the price? It what, actually is. What then, happened? I'm gripped. I'm gripped. What happened? Um, I considered myself to be some sort of freedom fighter by this point. I thought I was like Nelson Mandela or or something. Did so you I, did you jump over the counter? You banged the till open with your fist and took two pounds did, out or whatever. It was. I did instead stand there until they gave me a refund telling everyone else to check how much they've been charged so eventually they gave me 15 pounds to piss off right so i got my money back did you eat food did a bollocks and then i regretted it enormously because my friends that i was with both had kebabs to walk home with and i walked home without anything that's the act of a foolish martyr isn't it it, it really was stupid like i've i was just thinking oh, i should just pay the extra three pound fifty i was sad about it after that point but yeah. i feel like it was a victory for um for decency Someone has to, <laughs> yeah. don't they? And and when and I am tired as well. Watch out, Martin Lewis, money saving expert. <laughs> Michael's uh, Michael's on your case here. He's going to take down your multi million pound empire. But but anyway, another positive to to take is if um, you don't want to be getting a takeaway in Newcastle, I found another recipe for uh, brisket sandwiches slow cooked in Newcastle brown ale. Nice. That sounds good, doesn't uh, it? And then yeah. you stuff it in a bun with sticky sweet onions and blue cheese. But yeah, if Steve Bruce is watching this, trying to catch up on what the people are saying about him. His mouth will be will be watering. It'll, it'll turned off right now. It'll be down the supermarket. <laughs> I, do, I do like I do like a good blue cheese. Oh. Yeah, and you've you've nestled a, a brisket in the roasting tray and then poured about two bottles of brown ale over it. Anyway, that's a good start to the day, isn't it? Anyway, it's not, it's not even brewed in Newcastle anymore, is it? Brown ale. It's um, I think they've fallen out with it over there because it's made in it's made in, 
is it in Tadcaster or something now? Brown Ale, I think. Bottle of Dog. You imagine, I'm trying to picture what uh, Steve Bruce has for breakfast. I imagine that probably starts with cereal and brown ale, doesn't it? And maybe a phone call. <laughs> Good timing that, wasn't it? <laughs> anyway, I've, I've silenced it. Right, let's get back onto the clips anyway. This is after the game. Yeah, this is after the game, so you can you can kind of hear the sirens going about. And it, it, this is the one that really reminded me of, of Bates' era leads, because this is essentially all that happened at games, and it's just so miserable. You look at it and think... There's Bruce Chance, there's Ashley Chance. There was fans clashing with each other, telling them don't sing to support the team, make sure you're singing about Bruce, make sure you're singing about Ashley. And then you're seeing, obviously, one or two people try and get on the pitch. It nearly happens. I'd missed the uh, attempted pitch invasion, though I have since seen some footage of it. Did it come across on TV? Only you saw some stewards running to the corner. It was and... filmed. It was filmed from a really low angle, wasn't it, Moscow? Do you remember? Like it was in, it was in the near corner, and then it was yeah. all kicking off in the far corner. It was a really low angle to the pitch. I think it might like the touchline cam, and you just saw a, a swarm of orange, didn't you? Yeah, and then it was a, a tweet from somebody said, "Oh, somebody's tried to get on the pitch." It was a tweet, corner. a single tweet protest. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and uh, and that was basically that. And then um, yeah, and you could hear the the chants at the end coming through that were um, funny. It is nice, you know, to be reminded of how unhappy we were and to see these lot as really, really unhappy now. And it just it's just a reminder that things are okay. I suppose just about. I mean, I, I did feel a little bit sorry for them in some ways. In a way that I don't really for Derby. I feel like um I feel like they've probably done their time of Newcastle. I mean this the next bloke is Magpie T V, who we we had on last year. He was quite complimentary about Leeds. He's it's gone so badly for him that he's obviously gone to unit and the place he's picked to go is Southampton just so we can yeah. get as far away from there as, as physically possible. Um, so this was his take on the on the game. I'm glad I'm moving down to Southampton. I don't have to put up with this every week. I came back up the day because we course and start next week. And I thought, right, I'll go to the game tonight. I probably won't get to St. James for at least another month or two or three. I'm in no rush to go back. I'm, I've already got my ticket for Watford away next week. But uh, to watch Newcastle, it's just fucking horrible, isn't it? It really is. It's just boring. It's just... Why don't we play with 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 three behind the striker? Why don't we play with Saint Almiron and Joe behind the gale? Or obviously Wilson if he was fit somewhere out. We just don't see enough of the ball. We're camped in our own half. We'll go for the long ball. We'll wait for the fucking chance on the break. Hope that Saint Maxim can produce a bit of magic like he did for the equaliser. Just down to him to do everything. It's so shit, man. I'm fucking I can't be all to this. I mean it's a lot it is a long way from Southampton to Newcastle. It really is. Is there still a, a flight? I think you'll be getting the aeroplane. Yeah, maybe that seems very ostentatious for well, a if student. They, if they suddenly get good, maybe maybe have to find a way. But yeah, it's very reminiscent of. Um, I recognise the pointlessness. I don't know how far my sympathy extends though, because one, um, I mean, I don't know that person's preferences for a, a new owner, but the all the stuff about it being a Premier League conspiracy to stop them being owned by what seem on paper to be really quite terrible owners. Just try and get somebody better if you can, because. We went from uh, several frying pans into several fires, and I think if there was one bit of advice I could give to a Newcastle fan, it might be terrible now. But just keep an eye on who's coming in and don't assume that they're necessarily going to be good. And then the other part of it is they are in the Premier League. Like Bates always kind of did enough. He did enough to get us out of League One, whether by uh, deliberately or by accident. And then it was kind of keeping us treading at that point. I think. Mike Ashley recognises that he has to at least buy a Willock to keep them in the Premier League because if they get relegated, 
this worthless thing that he has is going to be worth even less. So there's going to be that, and that's where the the boredom fits in. But at least you get to see Leeds play. Whereas <laughs> who did we have coming to players like Rotherham? Yeah, and they didn't even consider yourselves lucky, hey? Well, they didn't even have Becchio with them at, at the time, so it could be worse, lads. Uh, Binks and UFC then another exercise in hopelessness. He's a bit livelier this this lad. He's this is after the the game. He's back in his uh, in his house giving player ratings. It's him talking about Sir Maxman, and I think he's he's got something that you could take on board for when defiling Tyler, de- defiling Tyler Roberts. <laughs> I mean, he's not far <laughs> off to be honest. <laughs> he's given half a chance def- <laughs> defending Tyler Roberts. Um, I, I'm not sure you can pull it off quite as well as him, but we'll uh, you're going to pull we'll it off as well. <laughs> All hail the fucking goat, Alan St. Maximin. What a goal that was and what a performance. They they just couldn't handle him. And it's like every team and every game, they just couldn't handle Alan St. Maximin. And that's the facts, right? Hembers and Rafinha, two brilliant players. And that was that was the stun of the show, really was. But Maxi performed yet again today. Liam Cooper had a had a roller horse over game, just couldn't do anything with Maxi. Luke Aylin and Santa couldn't do anything with Maxi. The pace and the power and the strength he has, but the skills as well. He, he's unstoppable and he deserves so much more, right? He's got more golden assists than Sancho, Grealish, Kevin De Bruyne and Mares all put together this season. He's finally finally scoring and assisting goals. Four goals and assists in five games. And Fantasia has got no input or anything. Suck your mum. <laughs> I will say this, like, if and when they sell him, I mean, let's imagine they sell him next summer and that's the, the chosen path. It's going to be ugly, isn't it? They're completely aware of it. When yeah. you, I listen to a lot more than is than we are playing out here, but they're all basically acknowledging the fact that they're a one-man team. They are Southampton of Matt era. It's give it to him and hope something happens, and if it doesn't, well, we'll probably go down. It's like the bit at the end of last season when him and I think Almiron were both injured, and it looked like they were going to go down for a bit because they, they couldn't pick up any points with him out of the team. But um, next time, when Tyler Roberts does score a goal or assist... I mean, let's... Yes, suck your mum. Long that's way. What, that's, what I want, that's what I want you saying. What I really took from that, though, is that if we ever um, sell Liam Cooper... I'd love him to go to Newcastle just so he can be uh, rightfully Liam Cooper. Do you know, that is not beyond the realms of possibility if I'd a wish world, him a better fate than that. Well, there's a world where they go down and we stay up and we decide to get a new centre-half. We're and, not selling Liam Cooper to a championship club. He's He'll be going to... Uh, Real Madrid? Yes. Like Jonathan Woodgate? Exactly. Fantastic. Liam, um, d- Liam Cooper. His reaction to Mike Dean then. I haven't heard this. You have, Michael. What's in store? Well, he's one of these people who films inside the ground as well, and he happens he doesn't film all of it, but he, he happens to be filming when Mike Dean blocked one of their players, uh, and his reaction to it is just quite funny. Maxi! He is a discourse. A discourse. It's three syllables. Discourse. Discourse. And you can, um, if you put that together with Liam Cooper, it all kind of comes together very well, doesn't it? Wow. I enjoyed that. Uh, true faith then. What have they got? Oh, more misery. <laughs> this is, we'll end on a real, a real note of misery from them. Fair enough. I mean, will this make me feel better about Leeds United? Uh, it, it may do, to be fair. Yeah. As bad as this season is kind of going, I think we, we all hoped we'd have at least six or seven points didn't we by now 
it's not as bad as this. Spun is well played, lads. Could have won it, lads. Could have done this, lads. Who are we going to beat? Who are we going to beat? Like, so I'm not the worst away team in England. Like, right down to the fucking Northern League that Sunderland played, they're the worst team. Burnley or Burnley, haven't got any money, couldn't beat them. Leeds have turned up the night with about three fit players in defence, and none of them any good. And we can't beat them. Who, who are we going to beat? Who are we going to beat? That's my concern. Poor result. It was an entertaining game because it was end to end. Uh, Leeds will be happier probably with the result because they've got a lot of injuries, they've got a suspension to a key player. And now they've turned up and they've got a they've got a point on the balance of play that really should have won the game. They had more chances, more opportunities than us. I'm really concerned about Newcastle this season. I think we're going to get relegated unless they change the manager. St James's Park was unequivocal tonight. We want Brucey out. That's what I feel most Newcastle fans want. That's what I think everyone at True Faith wants. Bruce needs to go, or we're going to get relegated. You're right, Michael. I do feel better about Leeds <laughs> after that. I feel great. <laughs> I don't think anyone wants Bielsa out yet, do they? No, not at all. And. Although he, he did he did point out that none of our defenders were any good, which was, which was a little bit harsh of him. But then with this uh, the other side of his mouth that Pascal Stroik is a key player, which he's becoming, but I'm surprised to hear other fans of other clubs think think so. Because I couldn't name a Newcastle defender. They've got Lascelles, haven't they? The Earl of Harewood. And beyond that, I don't know. Uh, Darren Peacock, Steve Howie, Warren Barton, uh, John Beresford, Philippe Albert. He was good. I can name loads of them. Yeah. Easy. Did they have a song for Philip Albert, which went to Rupert the Bear? Philip, Philip Albert, no? Have I invented that? I don't know. I should have done. I hope so. Anyway, well, yeah, they're an unhappy bunch, and it, it genuinely does. And this is what it's all about, isn't it? It's about um, relativity, is this podcast. It's either we feel bad about someone else gloating over us, or we feel good because they're miserable. And It's like Einstein himself is presenting it. Exactly. And Mel Morris, you've chosen to add a clip of Mel Morris because uh, Derby are... In the mud, I believe, is what the kids say these days. Um, they're not in a, a very, very healthy position. They're not in a very happy position. So she'll go back in time and find out what Mel Morris had to say when he took over at Derby. Let's. He's, um, I think he expected it to go better than it has. Yeah. Is all I'll say. I think we need to be a lot more transparent in, in how we operate. That doesn't mean we're going to start spreading rumours about who we might buy in the window. That's not what I mean. But we should be transparent about what we're trying to achieve how we're trying to go about doing that. So that will be the start of a series of meetings over the course of the season where we plan to get fans in to be able to understand what we do, the preparation we put into games. You know, if people want to understand our finances better, then we'll, we'll show them our finances. We have nothing to hide. This club, I believe, is in the best financial shape of any club in the championship. Are you excited? Yeah. The prospect of yeah. what's to come. But head and heart are in balance. I mean, they say a week is a long time in football. Six years in football is a lifetime. Not trying to hide anything. Nope. Not trying to hide anything. Finance is in good shape. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Healthy, Correct. Healthiest club uh, finance uh, club finances in the championship. And they might have the healthiest finances in the Unibond second division or whatever it, it will be that they're starting in next year when they sell their season tickets. Um, but yeah, it's quite a turnaround there, isn't it? Heart, mm. heart and head in perfect unison. He's not getting carried away. Just spend within the means. And if you want to look at the finances, that's fine too. You um, can have a look through. You just walk in, couldn't you? Just make an appointment, knock on the door. Can I come and just have a look at the books? I'd, yeah, yeah, come on in. I will let you know what's going on. Ah, oh, that didn't happen, did it? Ah, oh, well. Uh, well, that wraps it up, I think, for uh, for the opposition propaganda. We will return with more propaganda in the wake of who have we got this time? Oh, Cockneys. Cockneys. Always a treat. Isn't it, eh? Apples and pears. Love their mothers and all that. And we'll see you for that. The Square Ball Podcast. 
Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. The future isn't scary, not realizing its potential, however, could be. Just like on the recruiting trail, I've seen potential come in many forms as a coach. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.